I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Welcome to another episode of the Self-Build Plus podcast, where we chat with self-builders, suppliers, and experts about all things home building and renovating in Ireland on both sides of the border. I'm Astrid Matson, your host and the editor of Self-Build magazine. So we have Mark Coleman, who featured in the spring 2021 edition of Self-Build magazine as the home improvement project for the Republic of Ireland. So maybe, Mark, you could start with giving us some background to how the project actually started. Um, yeah. Hi, Astrid. Um, yeah. So I guess, um, yeah, Elaine and I, we were, um, we were, you know, young, we're not worried, we're still, still young people, but we were younger <laughs> a couple of years ago. Um, you know, uh, we're in, in the mid-twenties living in Dublin, uh, renting an apartment just in Stepside, in the city. And uh, we'd been living there for a number of years. Uh, just, I suppose, our work had, had brought us to Dublin. Uh, we're both professionals, I guess. And um, I suppose the first couple of years that we were there, uh, we, you know, had a great time in, in and out of the city, restaurants, nights out, what have you. Uh, but then I suppose as the years went by, uh, you know, we, we would have got engaged and we were probably thinking more towards our future. Um, and uh, I suppose what, what started to happen then was we were trying to start, trying to save a bit of money for well, the wedding and for, you know, a, a home. Um, I suppose the, the other thing as well is that, like, I'm from Cork, uh, if, you, if you couldn't tell from the accent, and Elaine is from Kerry, actually, South Kerry, right down the very bottom. And uh, so we kind of knew as well that Dublin wasn't, was, was never going to be our, our, our home. It was, always, you know, it was just a means to an end at that time. Uh, but we always knew we were going to be heading back down south at, at some stage. Um, so, uh, so, so again, around that time, like I would have, uh, I would have had a very progressive boss at the time. Uh, he's since uh, retired, but at the time, I would have kind of floated the idea to him about uh, working remotely um, down in the south. Um, and he was on for that. He was happy that at that time, this was back in 2016 uh, when we moved. So great, I had that in my back pocket. Uh, and then I suppose the next thing then was to try and get Elaine uh, a job. Uh, in the south and long story short Elaine managed to get a job uh, in Kerry so 
perfect. Um, of all places. Of all places, <laughs> the kingdom, exactly. So we were delighted, of course. Like, I mean, like, uh, given both of our jobs, we would have thought that Cork was probably the better or like the, the most likely place to get a, you know, to get two jobs. Um, but uh, it turned out that, that Kerry uh, was it, so it was great. We, you know, we, you know, within a couple of months, we, we packed up and we were gone. And um, so that was it. So I suppose we, we, we moved to Kerry. We got, we got married that year in 2016. And again, all that time we were, um, you know, we were saving money, uh, you know, because I suppose the other thing as well is that Dublin, like, like we had an apartment, we moved into the apartment in 2012. At that time, uh, like the rent was a thousand a month. Uh, which is pretty okay for you know for where it was and what it was, but then uh, every year that went past, the 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 the, the rent was going up 100 euros every year per month. So 2013 it was you know 1100, you know 1200, 13, 14. So it was 1400 euros a month by the time we were getting out of Dublin. Uh, subsequent to that, I went back on and I saw similar apartments in the same scheme, and they were going for 1800 euros a month. You know, not not too long afterwards, just because there was a big crunch on in Dublin, it still is there today. Um, and I just, uh, by way of comparison, like when we moved down to Kerry, we managed to get a farmhouse, uh, a three bed farmhouse, uh, for 400 euros a month. Um, so, you know, we were saving a thousand euros a month straight off on rent. And, you know, we had a, we had a big house, like, you know, with living rooms and, and, you know, bathrooms and kitchens and stuff. So, um, so that was a big help for us because, uh, you know, even at that stage, we still didn't know exactly what we wanted, whether it was a, a new build or a kind of a renovation or whatever, but, us getting out of Dublin at that time, uh, you know, gave us that great opportunity to save enough money, you know. So, um, so that was kind of it. Uh, while we were in that farmhouse then for, I think, two and a half years, roughly, I think. Um, and uh, while we were there, then I guess like we were kind of keeping an eye on the market and um, kind of keeping our options open. There was, as it turns out, actually, a couple hundred meters up the road, there was a, a, a ruin of a you know your traditional kind of farmhouse you know the you know the door in the middle of the front of the of the of the building and two windows either side and then three windows above the top um and it was burnt out you know so it was, it was literally just the bare shell but it was on a gorgeous kind of um hill uh, views of Quran tool views of the the path if anyone knows the, their mountains in, in Kerry um so like the place was just stunning and uh anyway we kind of put out the feelers and we, we managed to get get talking to the owner uh, of the, the land and they were open to, to actually selling us the, the you know the, the, the ruin with half an acre because we knew that like I suppose um, we knew that you know I suppose the end no matter where you are in, in the Republic I'm not so sure what the story is up, up, up in Northern Ireland but definitely in the Republic uh, it can be tricky to try and get planning in a greenfield site um, particularly so in Kerry uh, you have to be you have to tie to, to agriculture which neither of us had um, and the only way really you can get planning for a new building carry is if, if it's a, you're taking an old building, be it a ruin or, or something like that, and you're kind of, you know, doing an extension or rejigging it. So, um, so we put the feelers out to, I, I, I actually happen to, um, one of my friends here in, in, in town is quite friendly with, um, he's an architect and he's put just, I suppose, through his work, he's have good contacts with the, the council and he just puts feelers out to see, you know, would we get planning? You know, us being two people from outside the county, uh, although living in the area, but not, you know, we don't major connection to the, to the area, I guess. Uh, and, you know, the word came back to like, yeah, if we were to put in a planning application, things would be, would be good. So, so we kind of progressed discussions with the, with the, the owners and, uh, ultimately they came back saying, well, actually, you know, before we sell you the ruin and, and the site, we actually want to kind of guarantee planning for ourselves first in the field next door. So would you be willing to hang around till we go for that planning? 
and we were sort of saying, oh, well, maybe, like, you know, but then we were sort of saying, like, you know, how long is that going to take? How long is it going to take them to go for planning? Will they get planning? If they get planning for a certain type of building, would that dictate what our building has to look like? And there was just all these sorts of things. And then we were sort of saying, well, it's part of the reason why this particular site was so nice is because it's kind of out in its own and it had unobstructed views of mountains and different, you know, north and, and, and south or west and south. And, you know, if they plant their house right in the middle, is that just going to take from it? So we kind of thought about it for a while and we said, look, no, it's, it's not for us. So, so I suppose that was that dead in the water. Like, you know, that was the only option really for us that we saw about a kind of a, a kind of a new build, let's say. Um, and then, uh, I suppose, you know, we were just keeping an eye on the, you know, the estate agent windows and the website. And, um, and we came across the site or the house that we actually ended up, up buying. Um, and it happened to be actually up on, it happened to be for sale for, for a good few months. Um, and, uh, and I don't know why other people didn't kind of jump at it. Like, I mean, when we actually properly looked at it and went for a viewing, we absolutely, you know, dove in like we, we went sail agreed within a day or two um but i think probably what kind of put people off was you know probably aesthetically from the outside it didn't look the best like you know it had it was a you know your your typical bung, bungalow bliss uh you know a brick built uh bungalow the bricks were yellow as well which probably didn't look great um the house definitely needed to work on the inside it was you know you big single pane windows you know the it was just tired you know on the inside it was built in the 70s and it just had never been kind of updated since then. And I suppose the other thing as well is that there was actually two acres came with the um with the property. So um that might have put a lot of people off as well. That's like, you know, you just had this massive kind of unwieldy garden. Um so uh so we just said look, let's give it a shout. Let's have a you know, 'cause we had gone and looked at a couple of other houses that just didn't work out and we were kind of exasperated one night and we kind of saw this on the internet and we said, look, let's go and have a look. And uh I can still sort of remember Elaine's face when the, the auctioneer brought us in the front door and you kind of, you walk down the hall a little bit and you come into the, into the living room and there's, there's kind of that big window. Um, if anyone's referring to the magazine, it's the window where the, the rocking chair is now. Uh, you know, that just gives you like this, you know, you're looking due south, right out on the mountains, uh, the mountains of Clarny. And we were just like blown away. We just looked at each other and the two of us, you know, it's just that kind of, you know, that sort of hidden language that, that couples have between each other sort of thing. We just looked at each other. We just knew straight away, ah, oh, this is it, you know. Um, so we just spent the, the, the rest of the half an hour looking around the other, the other, the other parts of the building. And, um, of course, we played it down with the auctioneer. We sort of said, oh, you know, the, this has needs a lot of work and, you know, this, that and the other. But ultimately, it's back, in the back of our heads, we knew that look, this was this was it sort of thing. So, so yeah, as I said, we went to agreed then. Um, Tell agree within a day or two, like, you know, we were kind of keen. I got pretty anxious that I didn't want anyone coming in. Um, getting it, like someone like me or someone like us coming in saying, Oh, geez, this would be a great renovation, you know, but, um, but no, thankfully we, we managed to seal the deal and, uh, and yeah, it was, it was ours or at least it was, you know, tail agreed anyway. Yeah. Yeah, very good. So then you had, there was a bit of a, a lag between the time you actually um, were a sale agreed to the time you got the keys. So you had a bit of time to do a, the design, like go to the house and measure yeah. everything. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. So like, I guess in a way that was kind of a bit of a blessing in disguise because uh, like, so just to give you timelines, like we even sale agreed on the 1st of March. Um, and, you know, I guess we were expecting to maybe, you know, get the keys, you know, six weeks or eight weeks later, but it actually turned out that we didn't get the keys. It didn't, didn't go, go through till, till August. So that was, you know, five months later. Cause in that, in that five months, the, the previous owners wanted to retain a, a laneway at the side of the property. Um, and 
the there was just issues with the boundary they you know the boundary wasn't exact and they had to go back in for planning a couple of times and, and there was a bit of back and forth but ultimately you know it was it was at the end of the day it was straightforward enough but it just needed the boundaries needed to be needed to be right um but that just meant that there was a five month delay and of course that meant that like we knew we were taking on a renovation uh and we were just seeing you know the long lovely bright sunny days of of april march may june july august all the guts of august all going by um so um so that was a bit of a bummer but i suppose the other thing that gave us then was that because we can say agreed uh we were able to get the keys of the house to you know just on on occasion to go up and take measurements and um and get a kind of a you know spend some time in the house even though it wasn't ours but we were able to spend time there you know to see you know you know what, what the, the sunlight was like and you know what the the environment was like you know um but the main thing is that we were able to take the measurements we were able to get the measurements of the window openings we were able to get the measurements of the rooms um so i suppose what i would have done then with all that sort of information is i would have taken that home um i would have used this online uh software called sketchup i don't know if anyone's uh heard of that before um but it's a brilliant piece of software uh, i think some, i think it's been subsequently bought out by, by google um but uh it's just a free online software. You can go in, you can draw up anything. You can draw furniture, you can draw cars. Uh, and in our instance, I was putting in all those measurements to make a little model, a little 3D model of the house. So what I would have done is I would have just, um, you know, built the, or, you know, built the model of the, the exterior walls and obviously the interior walls as they were. Uh, but I knew that the inter interior walls were stud partitions. So I knew that they could be moved if we felt that some of the rooms needed to be rejigged a bit. Um, but that 3D model just really helps us visualize the, the, the building, you know, when we weren't there. So, I mean, like we could, you know, take measurements of the furniture that we had already, say, for example, and we could drop them into the model. We could move, the, move it around. Um, you know, even with the models, well, you can kind of do a first person view. You can drop in and you kind of walk around the building. So I don't know, like you didn't, you didn't need to see the, the, the software to kind of, to really get it. But that was like a top tip because, um, you know, it just really, it just meant that we could really play around with, um, with the house. Like, I mean, just to give you an example, like we knew we were going to be changing the windows, but we didn't know exactly, you know, do you just go for those sorts of picture windows where it's stuffed glass or do you, you know, do you have a, a casement opening? Uh, how big should that casement opening be? You know, so we were able to play around with all of that to make, you know, and what would that window look like when you're standing out in the road, for example? Um, or what color window frame should you go for? All those sorts of things. You could play around with it in that model. So like for us, that was a real, um, that was a real, you know, top tip or, or help to us. Like, you know, so what that meant then is that, you know, the day that we got the keys, um, when, when the things finally went through, it meant that we were able to hit the road running because we knew exactly where we were going to be, um, you know, what walls we were going to knock, what walls we were going to build, uh, you know, because we did all mapped out, because we already had the window openings and the sizes and all that sort of stuff agreed, we already had prices in from the, for the windows and all that sort of stuff. So that allowed us yeah. a lot more time to just really get our ducks in a row, you know, so that once we finally did get the keys, we could just hit the road running, you know, so. Absolutely. So so then how did you go about sourcing the windows and that and the window design? What was that process like then? You, you used SketchUp, but yeah. um, what was the next step after you decided because i guess you might have been restricted by what windows are on the market or yeah well i, I guess i suppose what i would have done here uh, around that time as well um astrid there was the um the, the self-build um the the live exhibitions 
um, back in the days when you can go out and meet people and whatever. But um, <laughs> but uh, like the Mill Street um, Exhibition Centre isn't too far from, from where we are here. Um, so that happened to be on that summer or that springtime or whatever. So like I'd gone to that and uh, of course I was pressing everyone for every bit of information I could get. But, you know, there was a number of, of uh, window uh, companies there with, you know, with their... Um, with their examples or whatever. Um, so I guess from that and from, you know, reading from watching, you know, shows on TV and whatnot, like you'd have a fair idea as to who the kind of manufacturers are. Um, so I suppose like, like how we took our project forward was that we knew what our window openings were. Uh, we knew, you know, some of the window openings we were going to make a little bit bigger and some openings we were going to make a little bit smaller. Um, but ultimately we had all of our sizes. So we were, we were able to go, just by email, we were able to email a number of the window suppliers and say, listen, uh, I have a renovation project. I have 10 or 15 or 10 or 12 windows or whatever it is. These are the sizes. What's your, what's your best price sort of thing? And, um, and we got the prices back. We got three prices back. Um, and we, we kind of, you know, obviously a cheap one, a middle one and a more expensive one. And, uh, we were kind of thinking about like which, which of the ones would we go for? Like, I mean, the more expensive one. Which is the one that we actually did ultimately go with, uh, but rationale. Um, uh, they were more expensive, uh, was, you know, but it's all relative. Like, I mean, you know, like they might have been like 10% more expensive than the, the, the next guy down, down the queue, down the, down the line. But for example, like, you know, we went to the, like the, the lowest window guy, we, we kind of discounted him. So it was really between rationale and, and the other company. And like, we knew from rationale that, you know, from the South Bills, uh, exhibition that like you know the windows are they're rock solid like you hold onto the handle and you open it and it's really positive there's you know it's not you know it's good and sturdy like you know uh whereas they put it the other manufacturer like i happen to go to their their showroom and you know i was looking at the window and i say for example the handle was actually loose like the handle was actually you know rattling in my hand as i was opening the, the window and and then like even the the cut joints um it, they, that particular window that that we got priced was a a PVC, a UPVC window and frame, you know, in the upper corner where the two, where the 45 degree angle would be for the two pieces coming together, you know, the joint wasn't exact, you know, so like, and it was kind of filled in with a bit of kind of putty or something. And I was just sort of saying, geez, like, if I'm paying, you know, the prices that, I, that we got from them was 16 grand or something. I was sort of saying, geez, if I'm paying 16 grand, I can't be dealing with loose handles and this sort of stuff. Like, you know, so just, we just sort of said, look, um, we just go with the, the slightly more expensive uh, one. So, but like we've absolutely yeah. no regrets. I mean, they're absolutely bulletproof. I'm, I'm pretty sure they're probably the, the same windows they have in the White House, you know. Um, so then you 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 also, um, so you had a garage to the side and converted that door into a window and, and kind of changed the layout inside yeah. um, as well. So w was there any planning requirements for all of that or was it just exempt because it was just fairly minor stuff, I suppose? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's relatively minor. You're not changing the, um, like I, I'd spoken to that, that architect, that, that my friend, and um, he was saying, look, no, it's fine. You're not changing the... Um, like it, you, and even if you do a Google online, you'll see that um, that garage conversions are all okay. Like you know, I think you really need like if you're making massive changes to the front of your building, uh, you probably would need to go for for planning for that. But uh, in this instance, no, we just there was that garage doors kind of one of those up and over uh, old style um, aluminium doors. Uh, yeah, we just took it out. I mean, like you know, the garage, you know, you couldn't even get a car into it anyway. Like you might have been able to get a a classic mini into it back in the seventies, but these days you know the garage wasn't used for anything and it was no use to us 
especially when it was already underneath the it was underneath the roof um of the building. So to me it was kind of wasted kind of potential. You know, you could you could easily build a garage off the side or down the back of the house uh totally separate to the building. Um so for us we just saw it as an extra I don't know how many square meters it is, sixteen square meters or something. Um so yeah, we yeah, we took out the, the garage door, we built up a bit of block work, put in a a window, um, same size as the bathroom window to kind of make it look, um, you know, to, to kind of streamline it. And, um, and yeah, that garage turned into being a, a half of the garage became our utility. Um, and the other half became the kitchen. So the kitchen was out at the, uh, our new kitchen is, is at the, the south of the property. So again, we just want to make sure, um, that we got the, you know, those living areas were at, at south, the southern half of the house. Um, but like for us, you know, it was a, it was a, a nice kind of win. Like, I mean, you know, you know, um, as I said, we got that extra 16 or 20 square meters, uh, for nothing. We, we, there was also, you can see the thing is that the previous owners would have used the garage as maybe storage for, for whatever. So the, the attic space was never used for anything. There was, there wasn't even a, a kind of a, a stairway that you can pull down, you know, one of those stairs, sort of stairs. There wasn't even one of them in the house. So, so that meant that, you know, it's very important, obviously, to have storage within the house for, you know, baby's clothes and whatever golf clothes or whatever you're having um so you know uh, having the attic space upstairs uh i just shelved it out um with a lot but old old doors and all the bits and bobs that we took from the house you know that all became storage and shelving in the attic you know so um so yeah um very good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then the so then how do you go about actually doing the work? You did a lot yourself, but um, what was the the network you had around you? How did you? Cause there's well, a bit of direct labor, a bit of friends and family. There's a bit of a bit of a mix bit, of everything. A bit of everything after it. Yeah. So I guess like uh, like when we started off, I guess we would have um, we would have probably have been going down the line of of maybe getting some local builder in uh, to get the work. To do, to do the work because we knew look it was a full gut job it did need a full replumb a full rewire and there was some you know building work be it block work and also you know stud partitioning um so um now as it turns out elaine's uh dad um is a is a carpenter like i would have always known him as a carpenter like you know i would have known him for 10 years at that stage and you know we would have been myself and elaine were married and all so but i I would have only known him as being a, you know, I wouldn't have known him professionally, you know, like obviously he's the father-in-law, but I only always thought him as, as being a carpenter. Um, but sure as it turns out, sure, he's, he's more a builder, you know, and carpenter and kind of, you know, jack of all trades, if, you know, for want of a better term, like, you know, he's well able to, to do all the sort of work. And, um, I suppose like the thing was that like where we're living now is, is still like whilst we're in Kerry, we're still an hour from where Elaine is from. So it's not as if, um, you know, uh, Elaine's dad was just around the corner to to come over and do a bit of work like you know so I suppose early on in the project Elaine's dad offered to say look you know because uh, we kind of talked to him about what our plans were and he said look I'll give you a hand there if if, if you if you want so we weren't expecting that you know um but of course yeah look take everything you can get so so I think like for me like I mean I'd never laid a block in my life um I'd no like no real building experience um so I guess for me, I was just really kind of learning from, from jury. Like, I mean, jury would come up and, you know, we might maybe, um, you know, take out, take out one of the windows, for example, um, put in new windowsills, all this sort of stuff. So, you know, I would have just been learning for him. So like, say, for example, on the windowsills, just as one example, like, you know, we would have, 
replaced the first five. I would have done the first five window subs with him. Uh, but I did the other five myself then with, with my own brothers or with someone else that was helping, you know. So, um, and it was just like that over and over, you know, um, yeah. you know, doing block work as well. You know, once, once you kind of see how it's done and you know what the, what the process is, um, you know, you can, you know, you can, you can kind of learn on the job, like, you know, because I suppose I was keen to, to make the most of the time that I had with him. I knew that, you know, for him, it was an hour up, uh, you know, working for the day and he had to drive home again in the evening because he's his own, you know, family to look after. So I was keen to, you know, when I'm getting him up, I'm getting him to do the very kind of specialist work that I couldn't do, you know, um, and that any job that he was doing that I could learn from it, I'd make sure I would learn from it to be able to do it myself. So, so that way I just really made sure I got the absolute best kind of out of him, if you know what I mean. Um, but of course, for me, then that means I'm, I'm learning on the job, on the job as well, which was, which was great. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very lucky to have that. Yeah. So then heating and hot water, it, that's a, one of your, your bugbears, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I guess, like, look, <laughs> I, yeah, it's, it's, um, well, I work as an engineer in the, in the energy industry. So I guess this is something that was really kind of close to heart and something that I could really kind of put my skills to sort of, you know. Um, so like I suppose the background here is that like we would have been living in that farmhouse um uh no was it was you know cheap to rent uh it was you know you know that there was no no real heating system in the there's no central heat heating or the, the the central heating system that was in it wasn't effective really it was all an oil boiler it wasn't you know the rads weren't all that great uh that meant that we were you know there was a there was a, a solid fuel stove in the living room that we were feeding you know turf and coal and and timber um, and of course that had to be cleaned out every day and, you know, more coal had to be bought and all this sort of stuff. So after the two years or the three years that we were there, we were, we just kind of tired of, you know, um, all of this, you know, um, all the, all the fuel side of things. And on the oil side of things, we had, you know, we tired, we were pretty sick of the smell of oil in the utility room from the boiler. So, you know, it's just a, to us, it's just a dirty sort of fuel. So we knew straight off the, off the bat that oil and solid fuel were, were, were kind of out. And um, I suppose this was back in 2017 when we were doing the build sort of renovation. So at that time, like heat pumps, and I suppose even still now, heat pumps were the, the sort of the up and coming technology or the things that people, the, the technology or the, the fuel source that, that were being kind of pushed on people or whatever, or pushed by, um, say, the likes of SEAI or, or whoever. And uh, But I had no experience of, an SE, of, a, of a heat pump. Um, but, you know, from going to the, the self-build, um, uh, exhibitions and from doing my own kind of analysis online and research you know there's a couple of things I guess you know I, I kind of learned from you know what the sort of requirements you need for a heat pump you know um, I suppose the first thing that you know I would have kind of found out was that like it's kind of it was difficult to get kind of unbiased advice you know if you were talking to the manufacturers they're going to be quoting you you know great um, coefficients of performance for heat pumps so um, so you know they're really efficient is what you'd be hearing and you know that they're all they're green and all this sort of stuff but but i also knew that for a heat pump to be efficient you know it, your house has to be you know you have to remove all the air leaks from your house so what that means is that you know if you're plasterboarding you need to tape up all the tape up between all the sheets of plasterboard you need to tape around all the windows you need to tape around anywhere where an electrical wire is going out through the through the wall and you know i just sort of said geez like that kind of there's a lot of work involved in that and then um, you know, once you do all that work, you don't have to do an air tightness test. And if you fail it, you know, you have to go, you know, you might have to go back and do some remedial work. Um, and I just thought that this was all kind of like. Yeah, because 
Yeah. Was the grant in at that stage, the heat pump grant? Because um, you do need to have a certain level of air tightness to avail you, of the grant. You, you do, yeah. So like at that time, actually, they were doing SEAI, were doing the, the, the pilot um the pilot scheme i can't remember the name of it uh, but you but and this is something that kind of bugged me at the time is that the only way you could avail of that scheme where they would pay for half of the, the renovation work was if you buddied up with a couple of other renovators in your area so that you could kind of mm -hmm. get an economy of scale with a with a yeah, the, um, deep with retrofit. the deep retrofit the deep retrofit scheme yeah or the pilot scheme but yeah. like sure sure i didn't know anyone else in my area doing a doing a, a retrofit so um so there was just kind of a lot of things outstanding about it. And then I, like from, from speaking to a number of the manufacturers at the shows, you know, I was kind of asking them, well, look, how much you, how much you talking for one of these things? Um, and they were sort of saying, look, it's a five figure sum, like by the time you have a, have it, um, have it bought and installed. And then of course, the other side of things is that, you know, if you're taping up all your house, um, yeah, great. You're removing all of the, the, the air leakages, but you're not allowing any air in either. So you, you know, and you need fresh air for, for, for breathing. So, so then you're having to put in a me mechanical ventilation system. So again, there's a cost to that. And like, you know, just like as it just happens, um, around that time as well, uh, my cousin was actually having to, he was building a, a new build house similar size, uh, to my own. And like he'd been quoted 20,000 euros, um, to, to do a heat pump, to plumb his house and to put in the, the mechanical. Uh, ventilation. Whereas, like say, for example, like the quote for me or the the price that I paid to do my uh, full replumb and my boiler install was was, was six thousand euros. So, like, um, so that's a big difference in your upfront cost. And I suppose, um, like, I haven't spoken to him since the you know we're we're both now in the house two years. Um, like my cost in per year for my my gas usage. Um, at the moment, it's coming in at 1,250 a year, um, and 250 of that is for hot water. Um, now, at the moment, the carbon tax I think is, is 30 or 40 euros a ton for CO2. So, like in a couple of years, that use that same usage is, is, is going to cost me 1,400 euros a year uh, for for gas for LPG, um, and that usage is based on having our living room to 21 degrees and having the or or bathroom to 20 degrees. Um, now, so six thousand upfront and fourteen hundred a year, for example, right? And my cousin, as I said, he paid twenty upfront. Um, now his electricity usage is is, is just over four thousand kilowatt hours, and that's coming out at seven hundred euros a year. So, um, so it's, it's half the price per year to run the my system, but it's cost over three times um, to, to install the system. And when you actually, you know, when you when you put that into Excel and just kind of model it out over over time um, to see like how much is it going to what's what's your return on, on investment or how much is it going to break even with a, a kind of a conventional system it actually takes 20 years for the for the heat pump installation to match to the same amount of you know the it's going to take 20 years for the for the two systems to cost the same amount like you know but in that 20 years um mm -hmm. you've probably you're probably gonna to have to go in and replace your your heat pump um, now you're probably going to have to replace your gas gas boiler too, but you're back to that same thing again, where you're having to, um, you know, just the, the heat pump insulation is a lot more than the than the the, the LPG um, insulation, you know. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Um. Yeah, yeah, and in a retrofit, I suppose there there is a new law that came in that was that didn't apply to you at the time though. It came only it came in a couple of years ago, with the, where you do have to upgrade your whole house to B two. What's the energy rating you got at the end of your renovation if yeah. you do a major renovation? Um, yeah, so at the moment we're B two um, on paper or officially okay. we're B two, but actually if you if you look at the um, so for my LPG usage uh, it, for the amount of liters of LPG I have, it's it works out at ten and a half thousand uh, kilowatt hours, and then the, uh, my electricity usage is, is just under fifteen hundred kilowatt hours. So in total, um, that's twelve thousand kilowatt hours. And when you divide that by my house square footage or square meters, um, it comes in under a hundred. It comes in around eighty-six kilowatts per meter squared. And basically, that means that that will be a B one house. Um, so. Um, so so yeah that's yeah pretty good like you know but i i think like yeah yeah like i think the like why i suppose another reason why we wouldn't have gone for the, the heat pump is that um uh like when because you know when you're looking at any heating system or hot water well you have to look at heating system your central heating system and your hot water uh like from on the hot water side of things for example um again at that time you know there was talks about this uh these thermodynamic panels that were available and you know the the marketing around them was like, oh look, you know you get free heat in the sun and and this that and the other. And I suppose when I actually looked at the at the kind of technical specifications of it then and the cost, like you know after the grant, but there there was a grant at the time. I'm I'm pretty sure the grant is probably still there. Um, like the unit was costing five thousand, but it was costing you three and a half thousand after the grant. And then um, you know the compressor in the in the in the panels had to be on for seven hours a day. Um, to keep the the, the, hot, the tank tank of water hot, hot. Um, and when you work out that usage for seven hours a day uh, over the whole year, yeah, it's, it's going to be costing you 160 euros a year, 170 euros a year to to just run that to give you okay, great, you have a full tank of hot water. Um, but uh, if I just compare that just against a, a normal conventional, you know, your normal copper cylinder, like you can buy those for 300 euros. Um, and okay, your 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 um, electricity use might be higher. Say, for example, if you've three kilowatt of immersion on for two hours a day, that's going to cost you 365 euros a year. Um, so, like comparing those two things alone, it takes 15 years for the for the the the, the, the two to break even, or for the, the thermodynamic panel to break even with your conventional system. Um, but maybe in that 15 years, maybe this new technology has has faltered or whatever, like you know. So, um, and then. You know, just in that brief example, um, that's assuming that you you're using um, electricity to heat your um, your hot water in the cylinder, as opposed to maybe what in, in reality people are using their you know 
their their gas or whatever their their central heating system is probably heating the hot water for them. So, you know, I just think that you just need to kind of look at some of these um, you know, some of these technologies. You need to just kind of step back and just look at like how much actual power is it actually using? How much is it going to cost me? Um, you know, and like our system, as I said, um, because again, I'm only speaking from someone who's done a renovation. Um, so, uh, you know, I wasn't subject to, you know, the sort of requirements that you, you need these days in relation to a new build. Um, but for me, as someone who was looking at, who inherited a house, well, I didn't inherit, I had to buy it, but I had a house, um, which had an oil, an oil boiler, an old oil boiler. So I knew that was going to be replaced. So I knew I was going to be putting in a new, a new boiler of some sort. Um, and like the combi boiler, for example, um, gives you hot water on demand. So you don't need a hot water tank. Um, so, and it costs me 250 euros a year. So, I mean, like that's even cheaper than, than your normal cylinder, um, that you might have in your, in your hot press, like, you know, so, um, so yeah, I just, yeah, I just think people just kind of need to, and I don't know, like maybe, maybe I can follow up with some kind of examples, just kind of plot it out because maybe it's kind of hard to kind of get this over, over a phone call or over, over a podcast, you know, to, you know, to, to show how these things, um, can cost with time, you know, because um, like the, the big thing, I suppose, like where all this is coming from is that when we first, um, like bought the house, um, we had to put a lot of money up front in the, with the deposit to, to actually buy the house. So that meant that actually, we'd, like, once we had a big deposit saved, we thought that we would have, you know, no issues with cash flow. But then actually, when it came to it, we actually did have issues with cash flow. So that just meant that we really had to question everything that was being put into the house, you know, be it insulation, you know, be it. The heating system on hot water, you know, um, you know, we really just had to question, okay, do, can we can we afford to spend this three thousand euros on such and such a thing, eight thousand euros on external insulation, you know? Um, so mm-hmm. yeah, so that's just the background, you know. Yeah, yeah, and it it is a question of working out for your square footage the regs, as you say, you do have to be regs compliant, and um, yeah, and doing all the calculations, it is, it is a job unto itself to do all that. It's, mm-hmm. it's and it's well worth doing, as you say. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then, um, in terms of other tips, in terms of the redesign of the house, of how you kind of knocked down those walls and how you reconfigured the living space. Um, yeah, so like the, the wall that was between the, the garage, the old garage and the, the rest of the house, uh, that was a block wall. Um, but I knew from going when I got Jerry and the father-in-law uh, up at one stage and we just double checked that, you know, the, the roof wasn't resting on the, the block wall, excuse me, in the attic. Uh, and it wasn't. So so that, that meant that we, we knew that we could easily take down that, that block wall without causing any structural damage. Um, so that was if you just need with a, with a sledgehammer and a can go one evening or a couple of evenings taking that down. Um, in relation to the, um, the stud work, um, yeah, like, I mean, like, look, anyone who's done any bit of woodwork in, in, in school is able to put together, um, you know, uh, stud partitions, you know, so, and I guess, like, I suppose going back to the modeling, we knew how much space we wanted in, in each of the rooms. Um, you know, so any, like, we, you know, we tried to kind of keep the, you know, we didn't, we tried to keep the walls in place as much as possible, like, you know, but there was a couple of walls that we did move, um, you know, most notably kind of around the, the ensuite and the wardrobe in, in, in the main bedroom. Um, but that's relatively straightforward, you know, still partitioning. Uh, and then after that, you know, you're, you're just, you're putting sheets of plasterboard up. So, I mean, again, um, just call in the troops, call in your, your, your brothers and your friends and your, your cousins just to give, to give a hand with, with putting up the plasterboard because I, I think like a, 
like the, the kind of one tip with with a kind of renovation like this is that that I would give to people is like the more work that you can do yourself. Um, notwithstanding, look, you know, we've two kids now, and you know, I can appreciate uh, things are things are time can be can can be tight. But you know, any bit of work that you can do yourself um, is is going to save you money. It's going to like because otherwise you're paying someone. 20, 30, 40, 50 euros an hour to do that work for you. If it's if it's taken down a wall that you know can be taken down, like obviously you need to get advice. Um, but any of that laboring sort of stuff, you know, if you can do it yourself, that's going to save you money. You know, um, if you can build the sub partitions yourself and do the plasterboarding yourself, perfect. You know, that's less work that you're paying for the plasterer to do, for example. Um, so you know it's those sorts of things, like you know, um, going back to the you know you kind of you touched on it there earlier on in, in the chat. Astrid about um you know going um direct labor you know the pros and cons about that um like i suppose that, like you know if you were to you know go to a builder to say listen i want to do a whole renovation i want it all plumbed i want it all uh, rewired and i want all this that and the other like the builder is going to look at that and say well look okay like he can he or she she can you know they'll know what work is involved um they'll price up for all the materials for that they'll They'll price in their profit, which is due to them. Like, let's be fair. Um, but they're also going to build in, like, you know, a bit for risk, just in case they, you know, this takes them an extra week longer than they had thought or whatever. Um, and they're putting that in at the front because, you know, you haven't even started the project. You haven't opened up things to show them, uh, what's in this house. Um, so they're, they're just going to factor that into the price that they give you. They're going to make sure that they're not going to get stung. Um, at the end of it. So if you're going there at labor, um, like, like me, for example, uh, like I would have got the, the electricians into price for the, for the job when we had the, we had the, all the new partitions up, for example. And we knew like from the modeling, we knew exactly where all the plugs were going to be. We knew where all the sockets were going to be. So it was totally, there was nothing, there was no, nothing hidden for an electrician coming into us where we have to say, look, we went, we want 50 sockets. And we want, you know, uh, whatever it is, um, you know, it, for them, it's, it's straight up to, to, to quote for them. Like, you know, there's no there's no surprises on either side. Um, so if you do that for the plaster, if you do that for your, your electrician um, and whoever else, you know, that's that's ultimately going to be going to be saving you. And then again, like with the with the electrician, for example, you know, I did all the chasing on the in the um the external walls for the for the electrical wires and stuff so again that just saved him paying an electric uh, paying an apprentice or whatever for you know a couple of days doing that so i was just do that myself so that just cut out work that you're paying a professional to do you know um any other cost control tips like that or or how did you how did you keep on top of costs if there's yeah well like as i said that the, the big thing for us was cash flow um and look i think anyone who watches grand designs or any of those shows is always cash flow um but um like i guess for us we would have um yeah look i would have tried to do as much work as i could i would have tried to um uh like when we were like we would have set up accounts with the local diy uh merchants you know to get better prices for you know all the wood that we needed and all everything else um so i suppose i would have been just constantly like looking ahead a couple of weeks okay what jobs are, are coming down the line like i mean like the first thing we would have done is, is ordered up the windows because we knew that that was going to take two months to, to come through. Um, so, you know, for that, I needed to make sure, okay, I have my, I need my window sills and I need my block work done ahead of that. Um, 
and you know you're just kind of you know you kind of build up a plan of like a, each week by week what jobs need to be need to be complete so that the next job can can start you know um and uh like and say for example like again going back to the um the the direct labor side of things like i mean one thing that a one thing that any renovator might say or anyone that goes direct labor is you know it can be maybe an issue to try and get the the professionals on site to do the the work you know that just you could be beholden to them a bit but i suppose what i would have done is i would have known from my kind of program um and it wasn't like a professional program or anything it was just kind of maybe on paper like or maybe in my head about okay i need to get this done the next couple of weeks but say for example i might know that okay i need to get the, the electrician in to do the first fix in two weeks time I, you know i'd bring him up and i'd say listen i really need you next week for example i need you next monday and he'd come back and say no no i can't do next monday and i'd say okay well what was the week after and he's like yeah i'll get you that week after so i was getting what i wanted anyway but you know i was kind of putting up this kind of facade that I was under pressure, this, that, and the other. So those sorts of things, you know, um, help you, um, you know, keep on track, I guess, like, you know, um, and like, it was like, don't get me wrong. I mean, like we were living kind of paycheck to paycheck at the time. Like, you know, as soon as money was coming in, you were, you were buying stuff, um, money was going out on direct debits and stuff to the, the builders merchants. So, um, so yeah, um, I don't know if that answers your question, but. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, definitely. And you didn't insulate, did you? In the end, the the external walls or yeah, roof? You yeah. Didn't... Well, what well, what we did is we um. So again, like these calculations are freely available off the internet. If you look for U value for a wall, for example, um, you know that there's conductivity values for for each sort of um material for block work for insulation for whatever it is. And, um, you know, once you know what your measurements are, once you know how thick your wall is and or the different pieces of, of material are, you can put that into a calculation and work out what your U value is. So I knew starting off our U value for the walls was 1.75, which is pretty bad for like for a wall. Um, and I knew from, um, from if, if I was to inject the walls with these little kind of uh, polystyrene beads, um, if I was to pump the walls with those, uh, it would bring the U value down to 0.45, so that's a big drop from 1.75. And I knew from having gotten the quote from the from the installation company that after the grant, um, that that would only cost me 320 euros. So like, that's a bargain for a massive drop in in U value. Uh, and from the same company, then I asked them, okay, well, how much is it if I was to do an external insulation on top of that? Because insulation, you have to pump the walls anyway. And the quote that came back was it was eight uh, thousand after the grant. I think there was a five thousand euro grant available at that time anyway. Um, and that would have brought the external inflation or the that would have brought the um the U value from zero point four five down to zero point two one. So like yeah, you're you're going the right direction, but like you know you're having to pay eight grand for that zero point two percent zero point two difference, whereas I only paid three hundred euros for the one point three different than U value. So I just kind of felt that, you know, you're kind of getting into this thing of like diminishing returns. Like, you know, you're, I suppose that gets back to the, the overall thing of this, this project was, look, we're, we're trying to get us, we want to go in the right direction of getting our house energy efficient. And we're going to, we're going to go as far as we can go, as far as the money will take us, but we're not going to be going, um, you know, we're not going to be, you know, extending ourselves money wise or whatever to, to, to give us something that we, we mightn't, you know, is there going to be a big difference in the walls going from 0.45 to 0.21? It's hard to know, you know, and we're in the house, you know, two years now, and it's certainly a warm house. If if we had the external insulation, would it be warmer? Yeah, for sure. 
But, you know, what, what that going to relate to in costs of reduced gas, for example, that's hard to sort of to quantify, like, you know, and where we left it with the external insulation is that uh, we said, look, we get into the house and maybe down the line once the cash flow and we have a bit, more, bit of money saved up, maybe we'll do the, the external insulation at that stage because, like, there is, like, the, the, the soffit on the house, there's, there's a good foot and a half of soffit all the way around the house, so there actually is the space uh, to kind of retrofit, retrofit that external insulation on. So that is something that we might do down the line, but if, like, it's not on my radar at all at the moment because the house is, is lovely and warm. I'm here now in my, in my shirt t-shirts and like a blown blown beast from the east outside so you know i, I don't know if, if if i could justify spending the eight thousand to maybe save 100 euros a year in my gas bill you know that it just doesn't doesn't equate in my head you know yeah absolutely um so then were there any splurges um not really i think the only splurge really was were the windows just because like that extra 10 percent was a couple of grand sort of thing um so that probably was like the biggest splurge, um, if you think of it from a money point of view. Um, like like a lot of the stuff in the house, like uh, you know, is all like it didn't cost big money. Like I mean, like the like the kitchen, you know, you know, was was under eight grand, for example. Like you know, and it's a it's a gorgeous kitchen. Um, okay, I'm sure like someone with a kitchen with that's worth thirty grand, that's all handmade and that's all this that and the other, you know, um, that's gorgeous. But that thirty grand has to be paid back, you know, um. So, and I suppose that, like, that's again where we're coming from. We were like a young couple, um, you know, starting out in life, you know, taking out a mortgage to, to pay for all this sort of stuff. And like, just kind of even one example, um, you know, like, a, if you take your, your average mortgage drawdown in Ireland at the moment is, is 220,000 euros and the average mortgage rate is 3%. Um, so if you were to, and if you had that for 30 years, it's costing you 930 euros a month, for example. But if you drew down 20,000 euros less by not doing the external insulation, for example, or not doing the, the thermal panels because, you know, they don't, you know, the, the, the finances aren't that sure, for example. But by, by, you know, not drawing down that 20,000 euros, you'll save four years off your mortgage. Um, and you'll save on top of that, not only do you save the 20,000 euros in principle, but you're saving yourself. 26,000 euros in interest. So that's 46 grand that you saved yourself over the next 26 years by not doing that stuff up front, you know? So that was, I suppose that was all kind of in the back of our mind about like, you know, can we justify spending this sort of money? Like, and it's not that we've forfeited on, um, on comfort or style or anything. I mean, like it's, it's a gorgeous house, you know, don't, don't get us wrong. We absolutely love it. Um, but, um, I just think that, you know, maybe just think about, you know, all this money has to be, paid back with after-tax income. Um, so just maybe keep that in the back of your mind, like, you know, um, is probably what we would say. Yeah, 100%. And and so the kitchen is what? Is it a flat-pack kitchen um, that well, you, you put together yourself? Or? No, no, we didn't put it together. It arrived, all the carcasses were made. All the, you know, it, it arrived like any kitchen would arrive. All the units were made and um, are already assembled. And the, the kitchen company supplied a, a kitchen fitter and he was there for a day or two, uh, putting it in. Um, so yeah. And I, I suppose with the kitchen, um, like, I suppose, like, you know, we, we didn't, we, like, we, we, we reused the old kitchen, uh, the old kitchen carcasses and, and doors. We reused them in the utility. I was only looking the other day in the utility. I was kind of looking around and said, Jesus, this building, this room cost us nothing. We reused the, the, the units. We reused the countertop. We reused sink. We reused the, the floorboards or the, the laminate floor that was in the living, the old living room. 
I was sort of saying like that, you know, that's kind of like a free room for us. Um, so because we had that, we didn't need, you know, all that much storage, essential storage in the kitchen. We only just needed, you know, cupboards for, for bowls and cups and everyday sort of stuff. Uh, the utility acts as a kind of a, a pantry or a backup sort of storage place. Um, and like, go, like with the kitchen then as well is, you know, another kind of maybe top tip for us was like with the island, for example. Um, like, you know, we've gone to a lot of, you know, uh, kitchen companies and they were sort of saying, oh, yeah, you need an island and you need a, you need a, um, the seats at the island, the kind of raised seats. And like, we never found them, like, I never find them comfortable because if you're sitting on them and you want to scoot forward, you kind of have to get up off the seat and kind of stand forward and bring the seat. And it's just, they're kind of awkward. And in our case, the dining table is right next to the island anyway. So you're not going to, we weren't going to see ourselves sitting at the, at the island. Uh, when there's a seat just there behind you, sort of thing. And, uh, and my experience is that, you know, those island chairs just ended up being coat hooks or coat hangers. Um, so like, so we, we, we had an idea in our head of what kind of kitchen island we wanted. We wanted something where, okay, you have countertop where you can, you know, make your sandwich or, or whatever you're, whatever you're doing. But we wanted a kind of a lip around it to kind of hide it from the living room and from the, the dining table because we were conscious that, you know, we've one big room. We don't want to be seeing messy plates and chopping boards and all that sort of stuff. Um, but no one could kind of, you know, that sort of list that we have on the, the island, like doesn't kind of exist in the brochures or anything. They're, they're all trying to sell you this thing of, you know, have one big countertop, be a granite or full granite or whatever it is and have your, your seat on the other side of it. So we just sort of said, no, look, let's just build a, build a stud around it and put on, um, sheet of MDF and paint it up, prime it up and paint it up and, Away you go. Now all of a sudden you have a, a gorgeous looking um, uh, island that probably cost like 200 quid max, um, you know, and, you know, it was all something that, that like if I can do it, any person can sort of do it, you know. Um, so, um, so it's just those sort of things, just kind of, you know, kind of think outside the box a little bit, like, you know, um, and again, do as much as you, try and do as much as you can yourself to again, Cut down on costs, you know. Cut cut down on on, on spending. Uh, like you know, by all means, bring in your friends and your cousins, and and you know, get seek advice from from people. Like I appreciate, you know, I, I spoke earlier on there about working out how much, I you know, units of electricity and this that and the other. I appreciate not everyone's going to get their heads around that, but you know, people will know engineers and stuff. So maybe just call on advice, um, to help you out in your project. You know, um. If people are coming to, to help you out, to actually give you a day's work with faster boarding or, you know, demo work or whatever, be sure to thank them uh, on the day. Um, another thing as well is is what I would have done anytime anyone came down was, you know, I would have taken a moment during the day, during the work to kind of just step back for a second and just take a picture of what was going on. Because when you're in the thick of it, you're, you're kind of, the adrenaline's going, you're just, you know, you're, you're doing the work. Um, but it's lovely now, you know, as the years have gone by to look back in the pictures of, you know, I'm working with my father, for example, my own father came down in his 70s, you know, doing plasterboarding with, with me and my brother. You know, great memories, my brother-in-laws, um, Elaine's uncles, Elaine's dad, you know, all these people came down to help out, like, you know, um, and having those pictures of those moments of us in the thick of it is lovely to have. And um, and then, like, so kind of close circle on that, like, you know, once the job was done and once we'd moved in and the dust had settled, um, you know, we just kind of went online and just made up these thank you cards, but we used the pictures that were taken of them doing the work as, you know, as the card. And, you know, that's just really kind of 
for us, it was kind of like that personal touch to, to go back to people and say, listen, look, we really do appreciate those couple of days you gave us because it really got us out of a bind. Um, you know, so, um, I think people, you know, family and friends, people will, will work with you, you know, and it goes around. Like, I mean, you know, we've brothers and, and my own brothers and Elaine's brother, they've all gone on and had houses themselves and we've gone and helped them. Like, you know, so I think everyone, you know, genuinely in the, in, in the bottom of their hearts wants to try and help people out, especially when they're friends or family, you know? So, um, so yeah, I don't know. Sure, look, Astrid, I could talk all day about, you know, <laughs> solar panels and but batteries just tell and me everything. This. <laughs> tell me this. Um, so what would you change if you had a magic wand about the, the place? Um, the only thing I would change, Astrid, and like, and, and, like this is like because I have thought about it over the years reading the self-built magazines and you ask that question of, of all renovators the only thing I would change and I'm, and I'm not going to change it but if something happens and I have to is I might move the, the gas stove from where it is so again if anyone's looking at the magazine they'll see it's kind of right next to the tv um and where that is is actually like uh, is right next to where the old chimney was there was a, there was a, well there still is the chimney is still there the chimney breath is still there um uh the original time that i would i was going to vent the the, the balance flue from that gas stove up through the existing chimney uh, and out through the roof um now as it turns out that chimney was leaking and it was going to be a bit bit of a bother to try and get the flue up into the, the chimney breath so we actually just went straight you know we we installed the, the gas stove next to the chimney and we would just put the back the balance flue straight up and, and out and we have a new cowl uh, on the roof um now, looking back, I should have maybe re-looked at the model at that stage to say, well, now that the, the stove doesn't actually need to be there where the chimney is, could we put it somewhere else? And maybe if I had my time back again, I would have put the stove on the other side, kind of, again, if you're looking at the magazine and you're looking out the window with the armchair, I would have it on the right-hand side. So it's right kind of next to the window. So that way, now you're... The stove is there. You might put the TV there, for example. So now you're kind of angling the chairs, looking at the TV and kind of angling, angling them, looking out the window. That's probably the only thing I would change. Um, you know, so that's like, so what I'm trying to say is that if something changes to your plan, in my case, the, the whole thing with the chimney, the, 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 the you know, not going using the, the old chimney, maybe you should just step back for a second and look at your plan to see, right, now that there's no tie, that location could we rejig things a bit um because that only occurred to me kind of afterwards like once the project was completely done i was like oh maybe mm. i should have put it over there but like it doesn't keep me up at night at, at all like you know it's, it's, <laughs> you know um, well you had to say something to that i had to say something exactly like i mean yeah. every every project has some bit of a not quite a boo -boo, but something you know that you might have changed like you know but like like just even another one for example and this isn't like you know how things can change like i mean we've done the model and, you know, as I was doing the stud work around the place, I said, you know what, it'd be very handy actually inside the doors of like a cloakroom um, just to hang your coats and stuff. And like that wasn't on the original model, but because we were doing all the work ourselves and because it's only a bit of stud work, I was just building this little cubby hole behind the, behind the front door for your coat, coats, like, you know, and the thing is absolutely rammed now with coats. And so if we didn't have it, we'd be pretty stuck, you know, so... Um, that's the other side of things of doing a renovation and when, you, when you're the, the person in control and doing the work, you know, you can do those different modifications on the fly, you know. So, you know, I, I was talking there earlier on about, um, you know, you were asking about keeping on top of the budget and this, that and the other. And like, you know, just 
like at that time I would have been traveling with work, uh, you know, every couple of months to Dublin, to Belfast. And like, for example, like, and this is just a kind of a quick example, like the, the Velux in our, the sun tunnel in our walk-in wardrobe, it turned out to be 150 euros cheaper in Belfast than my local crowd here. The local crowd couldn't match it. Um, so I would have ordered that and picked it up in Belfast when I happened to be there with work anyway. Uh, another example, the, the Styra stairs, like the, the, um, the raft or the, um, the, there's a, there's a truss roof in, in our house and they're at two foot centers. Um, so that meant that, um, that your normal, uh, kind of Styra drop down stairs is 600 wide, I think, just going from memory. So that was too wide for my, I, I couldn't fit it. And, and because it was a truss roof, I couldn't cut. You know, I couldn't make a cut into the into the truss, so I had to go and try and find a a, um, a fire thing, a stairs that was five fifty wide, and I found one in Dublin in a in um, a DIY place there. So again, you know, um, and it turned out to be cheaper as well. So just kind of, you know, just do loads of research, get prices, you know, bounce prices off off DIY places, and um, just be thinking ahead. So I mean, like I would have been, I would have known, for example, I would have needed that stairs, but I could only get it in Dublin. Um, so, you know, I knew that in the back of my head. So the next time I was going to Dublin, I picked it up. I picked up our flooring for the living room in Dublin. Again, that was half the price of what I pay for it down here in Kerry. Well, that's brilliant. Well, listen, thanks so much for your time, Mark. I really appreciate it. Thanks a million, Astrid. That's it for this Self Build Plus podcast episode. Tune in next time for more tips and advice from experts and self builders alike. And make sure to explore everything Self Build Plus has to offer. The Self Build Plus journey guides you through the process of building and home improving. The Self Build Plus forum allows you to share and learn from other self builders. While the Self Build Plus videos and our Self Build Plus virtual events are packed with information and advice. With Self Build, stop dreaming, start building.